1: This is the Manchester City Football Social. Thank you for downloading us. I hope you're going to have as much fun as what we did. We I'm here, sat here with Sam from Goal. I'm sat here with Alex from Blue Moon Rising TV. We went on to discuss today the title race. Our city, the, you know, are they going to create history? We went on to discuss the Leicester game, the Burnley game, and we had a fascinating bit at the end where we all threw questions at Sam about transfers. Download, subscribe, hit the subscribe button now. Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising.
2: Hello, my lovelies. Welcome to the Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. My name is Alex Hilton. I am in the studio with Sam Lee of Gold.com, Twitter and Pep Guardiola aficionado and the man, the myth, the legend, Walter Smith. We are talking All things Manchester City tonight and that does mean, it means title race chat, it means transfer news, it means we are possibly even talking about the treble, is it on? We'll be getting into it later on. We've got the 30 second game coming up, we're talking about the Bernardo Silver song, Kevin Parker from the Manchester City Supporters Club is going to be joining us as well, it is an action packed show. Gents, how are you feeling? Uh, Confused, tired,
3: excited, confident, nervous, all sorts. (laughs) <laughs>
1: I'm just feeling giddy. I feel like that kid just before Christmas, and I can hear that Santa's been. So just you know, going down the steps as it were. Two games to go, you know, and three games to go, and we're creating history. The first ever. Let me repeat that. The first ever team in England to do the treble, win all. You know, sweep the board domestically. You know, it's all on the plate, and you know, you think a few years back, this was never going to happen. So yeah, yeah,
2: feeling good. Mate, I'm liking it. Both two two very contrasting styles there. I think that's fair to say. Sort of uh, confused, stressed, happy. That's probably City's motto in Latin under the crest. <laughs> um, but I like it. You said it there. We have two games to go, uh, and the title race will be decided without wanting to attempt. Fate seven days from now, we could be talking about Manchester City as Premier League channel, uh, the Premier League champions. How does that feel, Sam? Uh,
3: would it be? No, it wouldn't. Would it? But would it be slightly anticlimactic if? It was settled next Monday night rather than at Brighton. Oh. Oh, it's been set up to go down to Brighton for so long. You know, I've got an Airbnb booked, we'll be staying down there and <laughs> having a good night out if it happens. Uh it just obviously this would depend on Liverpool dropping points at Newcastle on Saturday night while well, losing, wouldn't it? Ooh. Um I, I I I kinda wanted to go to Brighton now. You know, we've come this far <laughs> as observers and fans and whatever, we've come this far. It might it may as well go all the way. But I mean, it's got nervousness written down there. And then, hello, if you're watching the live stream behind the behind the magician's curtain. I mean, I have been nervous on City's behalf and on Guardiola's behalf. But since Burnley, I kind of, I think it's, I think it's nearly, I think City are nearly there now. I mean, Leicester will be a tough game. They'll they'll take it to City, and we'll, so I'm sure we'll talk about that later on. But. You know, City know the job they need to do, and if it goes down to Brighton, they're, they're going to be they're going to be relentless.
1: I'd have I'd have it sorted for Monday night. I, anticlimactic, not a chance to win it in front of your home fans. I just think it would be stuff of dreams. You know, it's what we've always done. We've always won at home. Uh, I mean, I wasn't nervous until uh, for whatever reason. You know, Old Trafford, I went. I wasn't nervous. Then I was driving along the motorway, trying to get home to watch the Burnley game, and it suddenly kicked in. I don't know why. It just had this wobble about Burnley, and uh, the worst thing you could ever do—this uh, is for everybody—if you're feeling nervous about a football game and you're thinking, "Oh, this isn't going to go well in your Sport Manchester City," don't, don't open your uh, smartphone. Don't, whatever you do, <laughs> open Twitter because then it just sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. Because so many people are sort of getting in on top of that nervousness. We said this last week,
3: didn't we, about people having feelings. Oh, I've got a feeling. The oh. City fans have had a feeling about every game for well, probably ever, but definitely in the last six weeks, oh, God, I've got a bad feeling about this one, got a bad feeling about this yeah, one. Tra- and they just keep winning. You've just, you've kind of, those feelings, that's your own nerves. And if yep. you're just sticking out on Twitter, if it makes you feel a bit better, fine, but it's just, not have a bit of faith in the team, because obviously everyone knows how good this team is, but just, just... Let let the let the world go about its business. You know your feelings, our feelings, my feelings. They don't have any bearing on what's going to happen on that football. Pitch. Well, I
1: put I put I was listening to a podcast with a couple of City fans, and then I just thought to myself, oh, I'm just going to put an album on. So I put <laughs> on a punk album, Fontaines DC, and I was there just uh, rocking all the way uh, up the M6, and you know everything was all cool after that. And when I, when I saw the starting lineup, it was so strong. Do you know? What I mean, it was. Uh, I know it's hard to guess what Pep Guardiola is going to pick, but i just thinking mentally that was the team I was I would have played because you know everyone's clamouring for Sané to Sana to come on, and you know the team just sort of I looked at it and felt a little bit less nervous. But then I was thinking back to last year where I went to the Burnley game and it was one-one, so you know that that sort of nervousness, yeah. yeah. But overall, I'd rather be nervous and enjoy this, enjoy, enjoy the moment. You know what I mean? Enjoy. What we're witnessing unfold, unfold beneath our eyes, because we're watching the best football that I have ever seen
2: in, on these shores.
3: Hundred percent, yeah. What, what did you reckon first half? <laughs> first half of that Burnley game.
2: Um... A mix of emotion, I would say. I, th- I think this is what makes Manchester City, this is why City fans have more fun, by the way. I think is that, because City as a Bloms club, in fans. every single era, we have always been like predictably unpredictable. And I think that's why I'm the opposite to Walter. I think I'm the other way around, where I will feel good about a game all week. No matter how big the game is, doesn't matter who we're playing, we're playing uh, Bristol City or Barcelona. I'm always like, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. We're a better team. Statistically, we're all great soon as the team comes out, that's when I start feeling nervous. Now, hour before a game. And I feel like that about uh, Leicester on Monday night. I'm sure I'll feel like that on the drive down to Brighton. Everything will be fine until we get into that moment. With the title race, I think it's really weird that uh, all of these Liverpool fans are changing their picture on Twitter to... Um, uh, to, to pictures to of Jamie Vardy and so on seemingly oh, forgetting the that they've got to go to Newcastle away I think it's a very tough game City lost there early this season so there's an awful lot at stake to go and I think it's um, what makes this title race the best title race ever am I wrong?
0: No I think
3: Ooh, yeah, I think I, 2012 I think in terms of quality yeah. this is the best one I suppose that's a fact, isn't it? If you look at the points and the fact yeah, yeah, that yeah. nobody's dropped points in two months, it's it's absolutely incredible. In terms of drama, yeah, I mean, a, big there's big probably big been big a big lot. Yeah. that has been more dramatic than this, um, but yeah, and obviously 2012 will be a particular favourite.
1: Well, we all know the the Aguero moment, and just say that to any City fan, the Aguero moment, and just everybody knows what you're talking about. We were six, or we were eight points behind with six games to go that year. And you know, a lot of City fans are just throwing the towel in. I remember listening to a Man United podcast at the end of the season. I went back six weeks. Just, to, <laughs> <laughs> I am that sad. Normal. Just, oh, it just made it was great. They were celebrating this. You know, there's no way they're going to chuck away this type of lead. But if you look back at the past, that's the whole reason why, as a club, and I don't believe we will do under Pep Guardiola because you know, just get just five percent complacency. Because if we get that we're knackered do you know what I mean we need he's the man just sort of It uh, just remember, reminds me of Ben Hur you know with the the Roman ships and the guy at the front with the big drums like this and we've got all the players rowing to the drums and he's speeding it up speeding it up speeding it up and that's what we need we need a hard taskmaster now just to get us over that line and if we do win the treble oh my word it'll just be the best season that
2: the City have ever had yeah that, this is the, the, the pure luxury that this season is offered. It is, as Manchester City fans, we've never, ever had it this good. And I, I was a little bit worried after the um, walking back from the Spurs game, the 4-3. Uh, I tweeted about it at the time and I got a little bit of stick for it. I, I came away, away from that game, A, absolutely buzzing, because despite how gutting it was to uh, lose the game in the way, that we, the way that we did to the horrible VAR decision at the end, <laughs> I thought we were immense that night. It was one of like Going forward, one of the best performances I've ever had. So much passion, so much desire. And it, the whole performance felt so Manchester City. I fell in love with the club all over again, despite the fact we got knocked out of the Champions League. But as I was walking back, I, I couldn't help but feel that it, it it felt like the season was over. In, in that, On that walk back, it felt like... Because we had, there's been so much talk since... Since September that, that we're going to do the quadruple, it's been in sort of bubble writing above Pep Guardiola's head every season. Every press conference, someone mentions it. Everyone's talking about it online. On this show, we were as guilty of it as anyone. Talk about the quadruple. That when it realized, we realized the quadruple wasn't on, you felt like, oh man, what what happens now? We're three games from a treble. It's it's incredible. If you would offer us this point at the season quarter final, and we'll be on for the treble in late April, you'd bite the hand off any football fan would, I, I, in any country, any Barcelona fan, Juventus fan, whatever. So it's it's a real privilege to be here. And I think you know it was a bit nervy against Burnley, but we get through it and we look like champions, even when we're not playing well. We're still grinding out that result and winning it by 0.5 of a millimetre or whatever ridiculous. In fact, did you see that the best statistic of all time that Cunha scored? It was I think it was 25.2 millimetres over the line. And an ancient Chinese measurement yes. called Kun is exactly 25 millimetres. It's madness, isn't it? Start of the week. Start yes, of the week. Start of the week. There Fair play go.
3: to whoever dug that one out. <laughs> an, an interest in ancient Chinese mathematics and Premier League football.
2: I think it was Duncan Alexander, but I do apologise for oh, wow. i the wrong person. Um... But moving on, uh, this week, obviously, it's been a huge week for City, uh, on and off the pitch. Uh, Raheem Sterling, much maligned, uh, has been... Uh, oh, can I say it on the radio? He's it's slagged off yeah, by yeah. every journalist going. He has many terrible headliners, <laughs> uh, headlines, and he, he won the Football Writers Award for player of the season, which is incredible that people that have uh, criticised him for absolutely everything have turned around and gone, fair play. It's an amazing achievement for the man, is it not?
3: Yeah. Um, and in terms of the Football Writers one that has been given as much for his performances on the pitch as everything he's doing out- outside of it. And he is, you know, he's willingly taking a stand, isn't he? You know, in the light of all the racism stuff and the Moisey Keane stuff. Um, Montenegro, to, to less of an extent, because there were other England players who did it as well, but he's putting himself out there and he's he's kind of just shining a light on it, really. You know, he's, he's opened himself up to criticism or just abuse from racists, but he's also shining a light on it for normal people and that's helping to change perceptions Um, you know there's you know the media have have voted for him for this award or the journalists eligible to vote for that and you know this is a guy who's saying the media need to change their ways you know there needs there needs to be more um, diversity in the in the newsroom and people to understand the decisions so I mean you think gradually things will change but to think that that would come down to in large part to one footballer and one footballer who's been on the receiving end of that um it does go to show how much of an impact he's having how kind of brave I suppose he's been but also he wouldn't have won the award if he hadn't been so good and so decisive for man city um he's he's been a key man Yeah. And yeah. even he, even a year ago you know after the misses at united there still would have been some questions about him no doubt a quality player but i think he's taken his game to a new level and he's done that as the season's got really difficult you know he's he's the the, one of the
2: clutch performers i've never seen a player with such a u-turn in terms of like the way that media attention affects because certain certain, players cristiano ronaldo for example is a great example of a player who um the more media attention that's on him the more like pressure the more sort of eyes that are on him the the bigger his performances tend to be and sterling in previous seasons has always been terrific and then in the big moments in the big games i think it's fair to say he never really performed against Liverpool because all eyes were on him. He was always the sort of headline story heading into a game. And in the last 12 months, the, the, it almost the like fuels him. Yeah, yeah. the shack, the shack up, mate. Oh, you nailed it. The shackles are off. He's a free he's so man cool, and he's, he's he's ruling the world and he seems almost bulletproof. There's absolutely no criticism or stick that can affect him now to the point where people are... Screaming horrible things in his face at Chelsea, and he's still putting in blinding performance after blinding performance, and it's it's great to see, and it, that makes him a role model surely to, to to younger kids that are getting stick or whatever at, at, at well, the youth level. And
1: it makes me laugh because he's a he's a role model to uh, these younger players, and he's just one Young Player of the Year. But I know he got some stick for that off uh, on Twitter, you know, about this whole idea of he shouldn't be eligible for that. Uh, they're blaming him. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And it's like, I'm going to I didn't make the rules up. You know. Uh, don't hate the player, hate the game. And it's, you know, I remember Milner winning it, Hazard winning it, and nobody sort of jumps on this bandwagon of, well, he's not a kid anymore, is he? He's been playing seven seasons, he's got this many games. It's um, He's just turned in, performance after performance of Manchester City, and what I love about him is his intelligence on the football pitch. He's just uber intelligence. You know, that ability to find that run, find that space, find, you know, that way to goal is un- unmatched, I think, within the Manchester City team. And we're talking about a City team that could be the best ever team of the from these shores. And he's the best of it, you know, going up front. And if you look at the competition, I remember when uh, Sane signed, people wanted Sterling dropped. Silver's sort of made that role on the right his own. So for him to shine in amongst all those diamonds... You know, he's just. I, I, I think he deserved both awards. To be fair, but I know he did. You know, fair play to Virgil Van Dijk. I can't really criticise yeah, him getting exactly. it. Do you know what I mean? I'm not going to be bitter about that. The fact that I don't think Manchester City have ever won a Player of the Year, despite winning the league three times now, or f- hopefully four by, hopefully four by next Monday. <laughs> I'm not bothered about Brighton, but Sterling for me has just been a player on off the pitch and you know he talked about the the bad headlines and you talked about the u-turn i mean he was getting you know for anything that he actually did he was getting criticized whether that was if he bought something expensive bought something cheap didn't wash his car did wash his car you know just all this made up stuff i just hope he had a big breakfast the next morning because last season he got criticized for not winning the young
2: player of the year and having a breakfast (laughs) Well, certainly earned his, uh, his too. <laughs> I don't know why I, I, I sort of regretted saying that, instantly turned into my g- grandad straight away, but we'll get into it. Um, I mean, young player of the year, 24. I mean, it, I, I do agree it's a little bit daft that a player that's yeah, played eight yeah. seasons. Uh, a friend of mine is a big um, American sports fan. Suggested that the rules should be just like a rookie of the year. So your first full season. So it would be someone like I don't know, Harry Winks or whatever, someone like that He's played. Yeah, or just under 21. You know. it's, it's not. Yeah, but then you get players like Sterling, for example, who had already played two or three full seasons. Before yeah, but he was I mean,
3: that's still young, though, isn't it? Like, it, yeah, it is. The, like, the players' ages and the idea of peaks and stuff is is changing as well. And I think it just needs a bit of a a bit of a shove. I think twenty-one would be fine. I mean, eight, eighteen, you know, it's going to be a very small boat. Nineteen still, so I think I still think twenty-one's fine.
2: But is the upside of it? Not that Raheem Sterling is still 24 and plays like a senior player and plays like a veteran and he, he almost looks like a captain these days, leading the line, and he's still got eight, nine, ten years of uh, playing at his peak in the Premier League. Does that not look cheering? Ingo, actually,
1: uh, not in the Premier League at Manchester City. I'm not bothered. About nice. the as long as he's playing at Manchester City and you know he's performing like he is performing, I could just imagine if they change the award now next year to under 21s. Some fans from other teams will have a go at Sterling because you were tw- you were the reason they changed this to 21. We've got this fantastic player at 23, and now he can't win it. So we're going to blame you, Raheem. just seems no matter what he does, some people want to have a go. Oh, that's that's the
3: world, though, isn't it? That's not even just football. <laughs> if you go on Twitter, Game of Thrones, Avengers, right. whatever, anything is popular at the minute. If you go on Twitter, there's someone slagging it off. So that's just how it is. Uh, same with Guardiola today, I guess. Manager of the month nomination again. Was it five wins from five? Is it, is it nine? Nine goals scored it, and one
2: conceded. Yeah, five, and that was a Palace away. He's gone to United and won there. He's gone to Burnley and won there. Gone to Palace and won there. All these teams that have got great home records. Well, won them all five games, considered one goal. Liverpool have won four games and uh, Scott Parker, credit to him with already relegated Fulham has won three games on the spin not conceded fair play to Scott Parker but surely five games in the league everything else is going on you've got a back pet for it let us know what you think get on the text 87711 is Pep right Manager of the Month let us know what you think don't go anywhere we're going to be taking a short break see you after that
1: Manchester City Football Social subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising.
3: Welcome back to the Manchester Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. I'm Sam. I'm here with Walter and Alex. Still ages to go. Loads of stuff to talk about. Um, if you want to join in with us, you can give us a call on 0345 7625. Or give us a text on 87711 or tweet us at MCR Footy Social. Or if you're watching live, maybe leave a comment on YouTube. If you're listening on the podcast, next time we're on, watch us live and leave a comment on YouTube. Later on, well, I think we're going to be talking transfers. I'd really rather not, because my head's gone, if I'm honest. It's, it's all changed in the space of about two hours. But we'll get to that. Um, we'll also look ahead to the Leicester game, You know, stick to the football. But for now, at the risk of slightly getting ahead of ourselves a bit, if City were to successfully retain this Premier League title, would it be the best season in the club's history? Lads,
2: what do you think? It's got to be. It's got to be the best season in the club's history, surely. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there'll be a season back in the 60s and 70s and stuff that somebody will come out with. Um, I don't remember the playoff winning season in 99. I'm sure that was satisfying. But come on, a domestic treble. Possibly. Ice on the cake. A possible yeah possibly. <laughs> but even even without it, this is certainly the best football Manchester City have played in my lifetime for sure. And I think they are the best Premier League team ever. When you cut the Centurions last year and carrying that performance into this year. Well that's probably the better question.
3: Because last year it was oh well anyone's won it once, but you need to retain yeah. it to blah blah blah. We all know, we've all heard it. And now if they do, with ninety eight points.
1: No, no, I No one can have
3: any complaints, can they?
1: It annoyed me last year, to a degree, when people were saying, you know, you're not a great team unless you win it back to back. And I think, hang on a minute. Which no one ever said about Arsenal. No one ever said about loads of different teams, because you've got a team that plays a full season. And then after that, you know, you get changes to that team, you know, players either retiring or getting sold or bringing new players in. So in certain respects, it's a different team. So a team for me is a team that on a season and for a team to get 100 points, the Centurions, you know, the most ever before was 95 points. You know, we had uh, teams winning it in the low 80s. So for us to dismantle every single team last year, pretty much, that we came up against in the Premier League and for us to dismantle 95% of teams, it's, it's an amazing achievement. I mean, the amount of games we've drawn is just minuscule and then you know we've lost four games this year and just won every single other game so not I don't take it the thing about different about this season is this time last year we were there cigar brandy beach do you know what I mean and Pep still kept the players going on going on going on but as a fan base we were relaxed we were enjoying it we were all laying we wanted 100 points it would have been a nice sort of cherry on top of the cake but we'd won the league you know and this year what's different is Pep's raised the bar so high last year that other clubs have looked at it and they've gone out and spent lots of money to try and catch up so you've had Liverpool who've gone out and got the most expensive goalkeeper and the most expensive defender you know United who had the most expensive midfield and the most expensive attacker so we've had this all these teams sort of playing catch up catch up and we didn't I don't believe we overly strengthened the squad we thought go again. And that's why I'm hoping for a big... I'm hoping for lots of information about certain changes, because I think we do need certain changes. But, this year, Liverpool have provided so much sort of entertainment for the neutral by keeping on the coattails of City. And the other thing what annoys me is, have you noticed City are always playing second after Liverpool? And statistically speaking, you cannot, or most teams who play second crumble under the pressure somewhere but with us we're still managing we're still kicking in I know Liverpool play way before us two days before us because we're playing on the Monday night luckily the last game of the season kicks off at the same time so there's we go into that game if we've got to go into that game knowing what we've got to do and no matter what goes on anywhere else in the entire country in the entire world in the entire universe on that pitch we know what we've
3: got to do and if we do it <sighs> Happy days. (laughs) Well, that Leicester one, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because obviously that was changed at very short notice. So, I mean, that obviously affects fans and, you know, all of that kind of stuff, which I'm sure we'll get to in a minute. But in a football sense, City would have been playing half-twelve on a Saturday. Liverpool would have been playing that night or that weekend, but certainly later. That, you know, that pressure would have been flipped. And, you know, it's it's going to be a difficult game for Liverpool. You know, I expect them to win it. They deserve for us to think they're going to win it because they've been as good in the last couple of months of City, as they've not dropped a the point they, either. Um, they, but just if City go there, and then it's on Liverpool then, because they know they need to get a result, because if they draw, then City just would only need a draw. And in, in the last game, obviously, if they lose, then it's done. Um, but obviously, yeah, now, Liverpool have got the opportunity to make City need to go and win. And I don't think City are really affected by that. They'll be at home, last game of the season. They'll fly out of the traps. A bit, Maybe not quite so reckless as they were against Spurs, but certainly that type of... That type of aggression, but the only thing is, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people who can't be there, because,
1: yeah, that's, you know, that's it's, a book it's, it's,
3: it's not just a city thing, it's it's a fan thing. I mean, look at the new Spurs Stadium, They're, the percentage of attendance there is quite low, isn't it? It's about 87% or whatever, because they've had a lot of midweek games, and people don't go to as many midweek games as they do at the weekend.
2: Yeah. It, I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit I can't make it on Monday night because it got changed. Like, no, it is. I'm working. I can't get out of it. That, that's sort of the way it goes. And I'm sure there'll be uh, thousands of people all across Manchester and across, you know, the northwest in in similar circumstances. And it, do you know what? I, I, I don't mind Monday night football as a thing. I think it, it, it is great fun down the pub when you, it's not your team and you're watching it's a great game and what have you. Totally get why. I think it adds a certain... Um, a different angle to it I think Monday yeah, night football yeah. it makes league games a bit more interesting but when it's such a big game because Monday night football it's normally it's it's the rubbish game isn't it? Yeah. it's always like <laughs> it's always Burnley West Ham alright that's on a Monday night spice it up a little bit it, it, it gets you out to the pub and you watch rubbish game it's never the big game City could win the league on a Monday night pending what happens at St James's Park and we know it probably won't come down to that but it might do yeah. and that, that is a great shame and I, can I point out, by the way, City haven't played a league game at home at three o'clock on a Saturday uh, since January. That's so disgusting. actually, t- t- about in the league, we haven't played one this calendar year. The last home game at three o'clock we played on a Saturday was Burnley in the Cup in January. Um, consistently the FA seem to be moving our games very flattering that Sky and BT want to show every minute of Manchester City on TV I understand why we're a great team to watch guys thank you very much (laughs) but there is very little consideration for uh, the Manchester City home fans and then Sky and BT have the cheek to go and have the little pundits in the studio that are being paid to go to the game to moan about City's attendance figures and it's it's I don't know, it was a little bit rich for me.
1: No, I, I, I'm agreeing with you. What annoys me is you've got this fan base who... Just people just seem to presume... The Leicester away as well, you know, like Leicester away fans have to come up. And just that short notice, it was two two weeks, I think, I believe. And because it was two weeks, you know, I mean, fortunately, it drops better for me. But that's absolutely not the point. You know, you've got hard working Mancunians or people who've flown over from, you know, the other side of the world as a one-off treat to come and see this game who've been absolutely mugged off. And, you know, people are struggling, you know, you you look around, you know, you see people in Manchester, you know, it's austerity's kicking in, people's standard of living's lower, and you've got, they want to take the, the kid or whatever to the game on a Saturday afternoon, because that's what, what it's scheduled for, you go and see your boss, you go and get it sorted, and then the boss turns round and says, no, well, hang on a minute, mate, you wanted this time off, I can't give you this time off. But, you know, you've got a, a fellow, a lady stood there going, well, I want to take my kid, you know, we could win the league. And it's like, well, it's not my problem. You know, you book this time off. And for Sky or BT to completely mug off, and it's not Manchester City, It's it's... It's the fans, and it could be fans of any team. It's fans of Leicester, it's fans of whoever that have been absolutely mugged off with this. And it, it, let's get it right, it ain't cheap being a football fan, especially, you know, with people who book planes or whatever, who come over to Manchester on a regular basis, whether it's from Ireland or the continent or wherever. You know, they've booked hotels. Can they cancel those hotels? Can they cancel those flights? I have no idea. But, again... The working class people who go to the game are the people that suffer the most. It's not the clubs, it's not the players. And I, me, on a personal note, I think it's absolutely disgusting what they've done. Mm.
3: Yeah, it is bad. Uh, I think the game has has actually sold out. Not that it hasn't put people off. It'll oh. put people out because it definitely has. But obviously, with it being the last game of the season, with everything at stake, you know, pe- people are able to go. Um, in terms of the game itself, though, I mean, obviously there'll be time on later shows to speak about this during the week but as the the last City dedicated show before this Leicester game
2: how, how do you think it's going to go? Um I think it's going to be feisty Leicester have got a great record against us uh, particularly the Etihad this time of the year There's the whole Brendan Rodgers thing. Brendan's got unfinished business with City and title races. Will he want to come and have the last laugh? Um, Jamie Vardy, loved to spoil a party, despite um, his own song. (laughs) I think, and obviously there's the whole Riyad Mahrez thing, which is Leicester fans are very torn about how they feel about Mahrez leaving City. Um, I think Leicester will come and they'll be pumped. And also, results went their way over the weekend, Leicester their European race is not finished Uh, it's very unlikely but they still can sneak in particularly if the cup final goes their way so Leicester will be will be pumped up for it it's exactly the sort of team and style of play um, that Pep I think still hasn't 100% figured out in English football and you know there's going to be a very nervous atmosphere in the ground I expect it to be uh, to answer your question Sam Horrible, I think <laughs> um, But like, we had this conversation at the top of the show, man it, you, You've got to back the boys, haven't you? Statistically, we're going to nail them And we've been awesome all season um, why, why wouldn't we get a result? But it, it will be a tough watch
1: Again, people talk about, you know um, Leicester's fantastic sort of uh, form since Brendan Rodgers came You know, and we, we look at these other teams You know, we look at Burnley they, they won three, then they drew at Chelsea But to sort of cap that oh, Hang on a minute We've just won how many? Eleven on the bounce So we are, and Pep has got these guys firing. So, you know, again, it's football, so anything can happen. Vardy's pace could get him in behind, and he could go on. Vardy would love to do that. And I'm just hoping Brendan Rodgers is sat there thinking, during the week, he's sat there going, hang on a minute, I didn't win the title with Liverpool. Liverpool. I'd like it to go on a bit longer. I'll play a bit of the youth. You know, I'd like their their quest for the trophy or the Premier League, should I say, just to go on a few years longer. I'm not saying they're not going to be in it next year, but Brendan Rodgers, if he can have a say, yeah, I'm
3: hoping that he uh, turns up and uh, hasn't gotten quite as fired up as you, what you were saying. I seem to remember, actually, uh, this came to me earlier on, there was a stat, or Guardiola said it himself earlier in the season, that... City had a bad record or Guardiola had a bad record or maybe both playing on a Monday night but it, again but it goes back to all these other factors uh, there was a start of the weekend about Burnley you know Burnley having beaten all the defending champions in the last five years yeah, yeah. and then you know City seemed like jinx proof or omen proof you know what I mean they're just they're just always there and the other thing about Leicester yeah they beat Arsenal at the weekend which was a good result obviously yeah, was. Arsenal are City is one thing I'd say the other thing is they won four in a row the first game was Watford so what. Decent team and they lost. I think they then beat Huddersfield, Cardiff, Burnley, Fulham. So four poor teams. And then they teams. drew, uh, lost to Newcastle, drew West Ham. So anytime they play a decent team up until Arsenal, they've not won. So they might come and give it a go. But look, Spurs came and you know gave it a go at first in the Champions League. Obviously different circumstances to the game because they had the away goal. But Spurs were a better team than Leicester. They gave it a go in the league game. Still a better team than Leicester, City. If they get spa- spaces to exploit, to counter-attack, that's just another weapon. You know, I can't remember the last time City's called a goal on a counter-attack. But, I mean, I'm sure there is one, but it's just not something they have to do anymore because they have to break teams down. So just the opportunity to have a bit of space and, you know, maybe bring on Sane if required. But, you know, you said, Alex, Leicester are going to be pumped. City are going to be big time up for it. You know, there's, there's not going to be any complacency. And again, you know, Palace came and gave it a go over Christmas and won. Maybe City weren't quite on it, but you know, now
1: it's obviously a lot what of days to, to do. They've got a lot of days to prepare. A lot of it. days
3: to prepare. You know, players are on, you know, having holidays and having breaks at the moment. Hopefully, fresh legs. Maybe players coming back from injury. I'm not sure what's going on with Bruyne. but even if not, the same team, the same team that played at the weekend, more than ready to go. I think, I think you're think right as City well. City are going to be bang up for it, and it's going to be a, well, they always score early. They didn't at the weekend, but it's going to be a different game against Leicester. They always score early.
2: It's going to be a, little, a lot more open, isn't it, I think. Also, I think we, we take a little bit for granted to the City fans um, because our, our fan base is still so nervous and it still feels we're so new to being like a big club and having an yes, behind definitely. us. Whereas, we have got a team of winners you know oh, we, we've got like it. World Cup winners and World Cup finalists in the team and we've got people who've won Champions Leagues in other countries and they've won you know and all that sort of stuff we, we have a team of champions in who know how to treat a game like this and know how to be professionals and just get a job done and I think as fans you know we, we talk them down sometimes we, we talk ourselves into thinking that we're a team of bottlers but actually and I appreciate that I'm tempting quite a lot of fate there and I might look very silly in a couple of days but we've, we've got a team of boys in how to get a job done and could be relied on I think so
1: Well, as I would say to you, if if you could have a choice of any manager in the world to take over City now and to have it for this game, for me, it's Pep. You know what I mean? He's just a born winner. Do you know, he's the manager you would want at Manchester City for these two games.
3: Well, yeah. um, I I remember tweeting at the start of April, City's fixture list, and then obviously they added on a FA Cup semi-final to that for April. And again, took took going back to like Liverpool on Twitter and, and that kind of stuff. There was a lot of not just fans, but you know some Liverpool-based journalists saying, oh, this is where City could slip up. Look at these fixtures; that is horrible." And now they come out the other side, fine, out of the Champions League, tiny, tiny margins, absolutely bossed the rest. And well, yeah, obviously, who, who do you want? Who do you want to get them over the line in the last two games? Pep Guardiola. The Brilliant. players are ready for it. The managers are ready for it. I think last home game of the season, the fans will be ready for it. Whatever happens at St James's Park on Saturday night, it's, it could be, even if it's not settled on Monday night, and I don't expect it will be, I think it'll be a, a special night and it'll be a, a good way to send everyone off to Brighton
2: at the weekend. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a finale. It feels like the end of Game of Thrones. Everyone's hyped for it. No one knows what's gonna happen. Maybe there'll be a death in it somewhere. Who knows what's gonna happen? Um, we're gonna take a very little quick break now. Uh, don't go anywhere. We're gonna be coming for Sam Lee with transfer oh, gossip no. and get some of those details out of him. Comment on YouTube. Let us know some names you want to hear about. Get in touch on Twitter at MCR Footy Social. Tweet in eight double seven double one. Come round. Come and have a chat. I oh, know Telegram. Get in touch with us. This is your chance. Don't go anywhere.
1: Manchester City Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. Well, I think we're back for the third and most anticipated part, the transfer talk, the transfer saga is the war chest. My favourite uh, explanation of how much money you had to spend. Now, if you want to get in touch with us, it's 0345 one seven six two five text us on 87711 tweet us at MCR footy social or indeed if you're on YouTube leave a comment now we've got the closest thing I believe to the inside of Pep Guardiola's head in transfers sat just here Sam
3: hello that's a decent warm up isn't it well
1: Well, we're going to be throwing names at you we're going to be asking for positions we're going to be asking we're going to be asking you you everything I think that's what the public
3: demands well it, fine, fine. I was. This time last year, it was okay because it was like, right, this is what city you're doing. I know one name and then it's just going to be one other player. This time, over the weekend, it was like, right, so these are the four positions. There's a bit of moving around. Oh, maybe not this guy. Maybe this guy would go if this happens, blah, blah, blah. But I was, you know, I was confident things were going in the right direction. You had a handle on it. Yeah. And it was like, right. And then maybe give it a couple of weeks after the season finishes, we can maybe add some names in. But today it's all kind of turned on its head a bit and I don't really know what's going on. Um, I'm checking my phone during the show, hoping something comes through. Um, so, I mean, have we got 30 seconds to answer some of these questions? Um, it's, I mean, i never stick to it anyway and there's definitely no way I'm going to be able to stick to it for some of them. But, um, yeah. well, The, keep, the one question
1: I'd have for you is I personally think it would be an, just a disaster if we went into next season without, you know, signing another left-back, but letting Delph go, Mendy with his injury records, Zinchenko, as good as he's been, he's not an elite-level footballer at left-back.
3: Left-backs,
1: what do you think?
3: <laughs> uh, well, it's funny because obviously today it's come out that, well, it's been reported, and if you look at where, you can probably guess where it's come from. It seems like a, a club-endorsed stance that there's going to be no left-back. And... I mean, I had been saying just on other podcasts and whatever on Twitter that one of my good sources did tell me, I don't know, six weeks ago, four weeks ago, that there wouldn't be a left back and it was going to be Mendy and Zinchenko. And Zinchenko has already signed a new contract, but it's not been announced yet. So all of that. Um, But I was like, don't really believe that. And then I spoke to the same guy at the weekend and somebody else, independent of each other, both really good sources. And the guy who told me that said, no, there will be a left back, you know, they, they, they can't, they can't trust Mendy. They've decided he's got to that stage. Whether off the field stuff or injuries, they can't trust him. And the other guy was like, yeah, there's, there's basically four positions they might go for, but two are locked in and one's defensive midfield, one's left back. So I was like, all right, fine, I'm okay with that. I don't really know any names for left back. I had an idea of one. Um, but, you know, at least we're heading in the right, the right direction. And now today, this comes out that there's going to be no left back. I've heard independently that the name I had in mind is not going to happen from the players' end, and I'm just wondering now what is going on. And now, if that is the case, because one of the one of the one of the three or the third or fourth position, depending on circumstances, would have been a centre back, and I was told it would be a top centre back. But they think Matias Delict is going to Barcelona. Yeah. But I'm thinking, if they're going to abandon the left back, are they saving money for something? Are they? Yeah, basically, are they? Are they pulling all their money for one big centre-back? And and if so, who is it? So, I mean, these are the questions now I'm trying to answer because the whole thing, it'd been a left-back the whole time. And just so it's not me speaking the whole time, um, like you said earlier, there does not need to be a left-back, surely. Like, how good must this centre-back be? And look, there must be a centre-back coming in because I think Otamendi's going. So there must be a centre-back coming in. But how good must he be to take the risk again? Because it was weird enough not getting a left-back last summer to do it this summer would be another big risk. So what do you reckon? I think it's a big risk. I know I heard a a great story
1: you were telling me about uh, Klopp's uh, opinion on Chilwell.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I was speaking to the Liverpool correspondent, our Liverpool correspondent, Neil, at goal. We were both doing the Youth Cup final the other day, and he was saying, not that it'll happen now, but he was saying if it was a hypothetical choice for Klopp to choose between Ben Chilwell and Andy Robertson, he reckoned he would probably still go for Chilwell. And it's like, wow. I mean, because surely everyone accepts, you know, Robertson's the best left back in the Premier League, one of the best around. If, you know, it'd be perfect for City, it'd be ideal. It's not going to happen, but it'd be ideal. And it's just that's just a funny thing I heard Neil say last week that apparently, yeah, he rates Chilwell, or would rate Chilwell higher than than Robertson. But yeah, Chilwell, uh, I'm not so sure because the whole left back thing seems, seems to be up in the air. What I would say was, until I heard about that, the left back, who I thought it would be, being off, I did think... I'm not. I don't trust these reports. There will be a left back, but as it stands right now, being on the spot on a Tuesday evening, (laughs) I've no idea. 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 Transfers. You can never believe it until you see the player there. Who's just in with his uh, (gasps)
1: oh with with the the shirt on the website.
3: You can never believe it, but there's news just in. There's news just in. No, no, no. There was potential for news to be just in. Um, oh, Sam, oh, don't do that I to know, us! You got,
2: got a text, the phones vibrate. Oh, it's a I was, phone. Saying, an out, I was
3: sent an outgoing email, not an incoming email. Um, yeah, so not, maybe, maybe by the end of the show, maybe in the extra bit of the podcast, there'll be news coming in. I doubt it, but it won't be, it won't be far off. And whether it's on this podcast or
2: someone else, we'll soon know the answers. Blimey. So let's throw some names but then. Uh, Axrith has been on touch, in touch on YouTube. Um, there's been a little bit of rumours around a player called Rodri, uh, oh, yeah. who is currently oh, at Atletico one. Madrid. Yeah. Um, and the, the MEN, the Manchester News, uh, and a couple of other sources said that apparently his name is written in capital letters on a whiteboard at City and he's the number one target. Uh, what's the going on with that, Sam? I
3: don't want to... Sound too conceited, although it's inevitable. But never mind what the MEN's saying. I said this already that they're going to, oh, Rodri's the number one target. Um, and in my mind, with the number one target, that means, like Jorginho last year, it didn't happen in the end. When all players in these situations, something's been agreed. You know, they know yeah, he wants yeah, to yeah. come. They don't make a player the number one t- target if, they, if he's going to turn around and say, I don't want to come. Now, there's been reports in Spain over the weekend that he, he's told Atleti he wants to stay. As far as I know from City, that is the one the one name the one bit of certainty I've got so far and one of the guys did tell me over the weekend it, you know it's it's pretty much done with Rodri so look, as we saw with Jorginho last year and God knows who else before that things can change but if, I'm, if I could hang my hat on one player this summer in all this other uncertainty Rodri would be the one he He's is, he is the player. number one the, the number one choice for defensive midfield. Got a buyout clause and, yeah, all of that kind of I've stuff. City have you noticed
1: you've been going for these buyout clauses instead of getting into... Well, yes
3: yeah. Well, Cheeky's under a bit of pressure. Uh, Guardiola wasn't happy because they wanted De Jong. They wanted Frankie De Jong from Ajax. And they thought they had him for a bit. To be fair to Barca, they went in and they, you know, they paid him more money than De Bruyne is in and all of that. So, you know, Barca did a big job and maybe City weren't willing to match it. But then Pep... not. not you know, he's obviously still got a great relationship with Cheeky, but if you were to ask him privately, it well, if he was his wife asking him and he was being honest, <laughs> he'd probably say, look, he needs to deliver now, so it's no surprise that he's going after players with buyout clauses because you can't get gazumped by someone else. You can't haggle over the fee. You can just go and get it done. The only thing I'm surprised with Rodri is, with that being the case, why well, they haven't done it already. Well, the thing, But maybe there's the agreement in place and w- when it gets to the end of the season, I'd have to go are done, City are done.
1: Well, if, that, maybe if they're it'll prepared, be done, uh, prepared
3: done to pay more
1: on wage terms than De Bruyne for De Jong yeah I mean his agent got 5 million euros as well out of that well it's he's, he's, he, City as a club and we can see it Sanchez wanted so much money and they backed away they were just well, no because what it does it unsettles the whole you know the whole rest of the, the dressing room so some other mug has to go and pay Sanchez a big wedge to unrest, un- unsettle all of their dressing room yeah you know what I mean we've seen to have a, a plan well run and sometimes you may miss out on these players but because we've got a plan that's well run
3: it's for the benefit of the club in the long run yeah. well I mean it's hard enough getting Sane to sign a new contract now it's certainly not off off the table but it's hard enough imagine there was a player how old is De Jong 21 yeah. coming in on 260 grand a week nah. you'd have the same problem as is going on at United now where everyone wants what Alexis got and what Fellaini ended up getting when he ran his contract down so yeah and Guardiola said it at the time you know they have got to keep an eye on the wage bill
2: they certainly have. Well, this leads us into um, the 30 second game. So, for those of you watching online and listening on the radio that haven't seen this before, the way this is going to work is loads of you have been getting in touch on uh, social media and text and Twitter um, to ask your questions in. I'm going to put it now to Walter and Sam. They're going to have 30 seconds each to answer as quickly as they can. Are you ready, gents? Yes. All right, it wants to go first? Sam? Yeah, 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 it seems like it. Let's get in. Time are ready. All right. Uh, Beyond Belief on YouTube has asked, uh, what do we make of the FA charging fans 115 quid oh. and up for the tickets to the final? <laughs>
3: well, yeah. Um, we well, you, you've got plenty to say. Um, I don't know how long I can pad out, but I think it's terrible. You know, a, a, a friend of mine tweeted the other day, I think he must have got them for, for his parents or, you know, for three people and it cost him 345 quid to go and watch City in the cup final. And... The, the sad thing is, you know, the FA will keep putting those prices up because it's the cup final, what are you going to do? You're not going to go, of course you're going to go. But it's just, it's extortion, basically, because they know people will pay it because they want to see their team in a cup final. And that,
2: There we go. But there you go. Didn't have, to, didn't well have to have an hand. Let's go straight in, Walter. Tickets, cup final.
1: I think it's an absolute disgrace. The FA are just rinsing Manchester City fans. You, th- you look at Manchester City as a club, is just fantastically wealthy. Us as a fan base... Oh, we're no different than what we were. I said at the time I would go to the £70. If I couldn't get a ticket for £70, I was going to go to a big pub in Manchester and I was going to go and watch it there and feel no guilt whatsoever. I uh, Luckily, I've got one for £70, so I'm going down to London. I'm going to go and watch it. But even then,
2: ice cream can be ripped off. There it is. All right, next question from ATEC on YouTube. Uh, a bit longer than this one. What is your start 11 for the Leicester game?
3: Oh, uh Edison, Walker... God, companies come this far, why not? Um, although maybe I'll change him for stones. Laporte, obviously, is Inchenko. Gundogan, because it looks like Fernandinho's knee is problems. Um, Bernardo Silva, David Silva, because I'm not sure what's going on with De Bruyne. And then... 1-3 of Sterling, Aguero, Sane. It's got everything. It's classic. It's pretty much the same team that played Burnley. They'll all know what to do. Sane might have a bit more space to get into, more of his game. You know, don't need to say anything for anyone else. Iconic
2: 4-3-3. Walter, what's your 11 for the last of the game? Very quick. Go Edison, on.
3: Walker, Stones,
1: Laporte, Zinchenko, or Ogunduan, depending on his fitness. Two silvers
3: in the middle. Sterling, Aguero, Sane. Ooh. Lovely stuff. It's got to that stage, hasn't it? Everyone, that. everyone knows The main lads. The main ones who are going to perform, you know, there's no, there's no. Oh, is it going to be Jesus? Is it going to be Aguero? It's just, you know, you, the reliable ones. Well, you, people who've been there and done it before and felt that pressure and come out the other
1: side winners. And you know, you're Aguero, you're Sterling, or you know, you're Fernandinho. These are all players that have that spine of the team. I'd go for Stones instead of Company because I am a little bit worried about Jamie Vardy's pace. Yeah.
3: Well, I, I don't think I don't think there's an awful lot to be to be worried about. There's a long time before the game,
2: but there we go. Plenty of, plenty of, well, it's all good in the world of City, basically, isn't it? It is all good in the world of City, but we'll see how we feel on Monday night. Yeah, we um, will change by then. Unfortunately, I can't believe we've got through it. It's time for the end of the show. Um, if you're listening to the podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button. We've had a wonderful show. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it. We'll see you next Tuesday for the Manchester City Football Social.
1: Manchester City Football Social. <laughs> subscribe to the podcast now
2: and never miss a show. Uh, we picked obviously fitting so much into the show, uh, but something we didn't get to squeeze in and something I am uh, desperate to talk about is Sergio Aguero once again had a 20-goal season this year. Uh, That is the fifth time that he has done that. I've been saying this season after season, but I feel the stats are finally in my favour. Surely, Sergio Aguero is the Premier League's greatest ever striker. Uh,
3: Like, the thing is... Alan Shearer was just some kind of goal-scoring robot sent from another planet. Like everyone else on that list of I know top Premier League him, but is on this planet. <laughs> just that that list of top Premier League goalscorers has got everyone on it. Like, and like rooney had been ten years at the top all his time in English football. Henri, apart from you know, he went to Barcelona, best years of his career, scored loads of goals. When I was growing up, Henri was the absolute monster. He didn't want to face. They're miles away from Shearer. Like, yeah. still, and he did his knee twice, reinvented himself as a player, played for a team that didn't create a mountain of chances always. You know, if, if, he, if he'd have played in the you know, one of Ferguson's United, you can maybe understand it. It's just got ungodly numbers. He scored what, 20-odd before the Premier League even started with Southampton? I mean, he's an animal. I mean, fine, this isn't really a great for a city debate, but he's an animal, basically, so I can't really, I can't really say Aguero's better, but and to be fair, doesn't Aguero, he scored 20-plus goals in five consecutive Premier League seasons, which is the same as Thierry Henry, but didn't share it in six. So Seven. there's that. Seven. Seven. Yeah, He's an animal. But Aguero, to steer it back to him, he is also an animal, to be fair. And these last couple of weeks, he's looked so determined. I know, obviously, the result in the end didn't go City's his way against Spurs, but how he played in that last half an hour in particular, you know, just... He seemed particularly lower in terms of centre of gravities. You know, he was, he was just head down, charging past people, obviously scored that, the goal from that kind of ninety-three twenty position. But when he got there later on, he pulled it back for Sterling, which obviously you know, was the whole heartbreaking thing, which, which we won't go on about too much. He was like it again, second half at Burnley. Yeah. Just absolutely rampaging against people. And look, he was scoring these goals before Guardiola came. Guardiola came and said, look, you need to do what I want you to do or you're off. And he's gone, well, I will do that, and I'm going to keep scoring goals. I mean, you can't say enough about the bloke, and I think he's, he's on par or better than everyone else in Premier League, apart from Shearer, because, as I've said, he's ridiculous.
1: Uh, uh, well, with blue tinted spectacles on I would say uh, Aguero, but if you look at the stats, Shearer's are just off the scale. You know, you talk about all these players that we've all seen coming into the Premier League and the money sloshing about, and then you've got smug Alan Shearer there on match of the day, and he looks at all his records and goes, yeah, well I did it seven times, yeah. you know, and I've done this, I've done that, and he's again. You were mentioning the point uh, a lot of goals at Newcastle when they weren't the best team, you know, goals at Blackburn for a long time, goals at Southampton. The guy was the guy who could score from anywhere as well, you know, and he just had that uncanny ability, you know, just as, as soon as he hit the ball, you knew it was where it was going, it was in the back of the net and so did the, go- the goalkeeper as well, unfortunate for him. But uh, yeah, I mean, Aguero for me is the second best out of all the others. He's the best foreign striker ever in the Premier League. But, uh, Shearer's got it, hasn't he?
2: Well, I'm glad you brought up the stats, Walter, because I don't think they are off the shot. Obviously, Shearer was uh, immense and, to that lie, scored more Premier League goals than anybody else fact. Uh, however, he did play 441 games uh, in the Premier League. Now, Aguero is still going. He's only played 237 games, uh, and he is hunting down the record. Um, Aguero also hits uh, 0. So a goal every 0.69 games. Now, I've gone wrong way around. I'm going to start right. Uh right. He scores 0.69 goals a game. Um, Shearer hits 0.5, so he scores 1 in 2, basically, um, which is an incredible record, but Aguero is doing it more prolifically. That is the highest record of anyone who scored more than 100 Premier League goals. Uh, he is the most prolific. So if he keeps going, um, Aguero will catch him up. He's also uh, matched Shearer's number of hat-tricks uh, in nearly half as so many games. Um, I, I really, really believe that, I think there's a bit of a nostalgia in English football and obviously Shearer's English and undoubtedly was immense. And it's a debate we will never hear the end of. But you've got to look at Aguero and the way that he moves in the modern game, yeah. that he is just an enigma. I, I honestly believe he could well be considered the great Premier League player of all time by the time he hangs up his boots, Sergio Aguero, because he just does what he does and no defence has ever worked him out. And he's, he's at his best when he goes missing and you think, oh, where's Aguero been in this game? He's not been around for 20 minutes. And he just pops up right on side of the goal, sneaks it down low and hard past the keeper. Same goal every single time, but he just does it time and time again. And it, he's one of those players that when he's on the pitch you just feel a little bit of magic every time he touches the ball
1: I'm convinced fair play Alex thanks man thanks man
2: (laughs) let us know what you think Uh, do get in touch with us make sure you follow us on uh, MCR footy social on Twitter to keep up the date. the conversation goes on all week on there and it's the best way to get involved in the show Uh, we love making this podcast I hope you love listening to it too don't forget to subscribe we'll see you next time